Hello, hello, this is HR from Happy Valley, and we are the Nittany Lions. This podcast is going to inform and entertain you on current human resource trends and events happening in the hospitality industry. First, we are coming at you with some news updates. Next, we are going to debate some hot topics. But before we get started, let me introduce the gang. I'll start with myself. My name is Natty Ballard, and I'm from Abington, Pennsylvania. After graduating, I would love to travel and help to open boutique hotels across the country. I'm the vice president of the Penn State chapter of PR in LA, and I'm excited to remain involved in the industry as a student, club executive, and eventually as a professional. Perfect. Thank you, Maddie. All right. So, hey, guys, how's it going? My name is Brett Prizer. I'm from Tampa Bay, Florida, and I'm looking to pretty much just follow a career path in hotels and uh, resorts, particularly in Florida, somewhere on the beach, just because I love the warm weather and the tropical environments. So I think it would just pretty much be a perfect fit. Uh, I interned at the new JW Marriott in Tampa. So I also think I want to stay in the luxury side of hotels as well. I love the atmosphere that they provide and pretty much enable you to perform better in it. Uh, Something that's exciting me right now is pretty much the reemergence of the hospitality industry. And I think we should prepare for it to come back stronger than ever. Thanks, Brett. Hi, guys. I'm Sarah. I'm from Rockville, Maryland. And um, right now in hospitality, I'm focused on event planning. I'm currently working at the Penn Stater Hotel, so that's really fun for me. I'm doing stuff in the event space there, hopefully um, something towards weddings after I graduate. Um, super excited. Thanks, Sarah. Hi, everyone. I'm Jimmy Bacella. I'm currently a senior at Penn State. I'm from North Wales, Pennsylvania, which is a small suburban town outside of Philadelphia. And after college, I'm, I'm pretty open to a lot of things. Uh, as of now, I have an F&B uh, job lined up, hopefully. So we'll see where that takes us. But um, just enjoying this last couple months of college. Awesome. Appreciate that one, Jimmy. All right. So to start us off, pretty much, let's get it, let's get it buzzing a little bit. Uh, we've all got some uh, different guests that we're going to be reporting from with uh, some different topics. I'll start it off for us. Uh, so my topic is pretty much just about pets in the workplace. Uh, I sort of just want you to imagine that when you're sitting at your desk in your office at work and you hit that mental block, you're stressed, you're overworked, what do you usually do to ease that stress off? Uh, Take a bathroom break, chat at the water cooler, but let's just imagine that you were able to spend that sort of break period at work with your favorite pet. Uh, So SHRM pretty much wrote up an article about the ease to return to work for employees with pets and sort of takes a step in the changing direction of all these big name companies. Uh, Just because of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we saw approximately 23 million U.S. households adopt a new pet. People were getting bored, they needed something new in their life, and pretty much that brought them an animal. Uh, That meant they were spending time with them 24-7 at the home, so they're kind of having to adjust going back to the workplace. But now we're seeing this emergence of companies now beginning to show a bit of concern towards these pets Uh, and their parents by making them notify them well in advance when they're returning back to the office, uh, where they would be able to help set up their pet to stay while they're at work, adjusting whether or not they will be able to come to work and leave their pet at home. And we've actually able to see that now companies are providing insurance for these pet parents and for their pets. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see this new emergence and new idea of what the hospitality industry has taken on the ideas of pets and their parents. Yeah, I would personally love to have pets in the workplace. Um, I don't actually have a pet of my own. So I think this would be, you know, cool for me to go in and get like a serotonin boost from other people's pets. Are you dog or cat? 
Uh, I I could do both, but I can see dogs being more yeah, frequently brought definitely. into the workplace. I'm not saying I'm a dog person, but I am. Cats, <laughs> cats get a lot of bad rep. A lot of bad rep. For, for well, good I'm reasons. allergic. I'm allergic to cats. Same. So. Well, I'm not, but I tell people I am. Well, so I'm biased. <laughs> you tell people you are. You know. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on to my desk, um, I'm reporting from something innovative. So um, wait till you hear about this new rise in technology. That companies are implementing, they are robot workers. Inc.com illustrates the topic through their articles, still struggling to find workers, cue the robots. So we all know how robots are classically used in our economy during do, doing high volume, repetitive, dangerous tasks. But recently I've seen the rise in machines such as ordering kiosks in places like McDonald's, Panera and Sheets, and those have all replaced cashiers. But we're all very familiar with the COVID-19 pandemic, which took a large toll on the economy and labor market, specifically in the hospitality industry. So while companies are coping with labor, labor shortages, they don't want to replace humans, but some organizations say they've exhausted all efforts to attract workers over the recent months. This is especially hard on small business owners. So because of potential employees wanting higher wages, remote work opportunities, and the increase in unemployment benefits, job applicants are discouraged. So in the past, when labor has become scarce or expensive, businesses replace it with capital, and that's now adding robots in the workplace. For example, in July 2020, White Castle welcomed Flippy, which is a robotic arm that can that works at fire stations 23 hours a day in Chicago. And in general, robots can do more precise work, they don't require breaks, they can't no-call, no-show, and they do not require sick leave. So also, real workers can mess up or not pr produce a consistent food product, which is necessary in fast food, where customers expect the same product no matter location or time of day. Another example is Bistro, a robot chef that is classified as being able to make Italian, Asian salad soups and more. He can dish 45 meals an hour and can replace two to three employees. And he also can't catch COVID, which is a major concern that businesses have not only for the health of their employees, but for the producti productivity of the business not being short-staffed. And I think these are really cool and useful. Um, just my opinion is that... Um, People will want that customer service experience back, so it can only be programmed for so long. I'm not ready for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was it was probably about 15 minutes before I stepped in this building, and I saw a video about one of like the newer AI robots that just came out, and it pretty much showed the features of it, and it can move its whole body pretty much synonymous to a human, let alone it can move all of its face muscles and pretty much face structure and emotions at the same time. Oh well. my God, I saw that. That's yeah. that actually is, terrifying. Oh, yeah. Are they using it in hospitality? For that? <laughs> no, I, I didn't see it in a hospitality setting, but I saw it being operated and it can mimic the expressions and little motions inside of a head that anyone does. <laughs> That's not... Yeah, I don't know if I, if I saw that at a restaurant, I don't know if I'd have, have an appetite. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's going it's to get that. to the point where it's like, they're going to become so advanced, we won't know the difference between humans. And oh, no. <laughs> oh, I hear you're right, although I hope it never gets that point. But <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. It's incredible, though, how quick our industry, I feel like, is always just changing. So I'm going to tell you next something really important in the hospitality world and in the HR world as well, since that's what the podcast is mainly channeled in. So as managers, I think you guys can all agree, even though some of us may not be managers yet, we're always going to be dealing with a high turnover rate. That's just how the industry functions and how it's always been. So therefore, it's critical that we train our workers effectively. So, but what happens when our best worker inevitably quits? It's a huge challenge and it's imperative that the steps I'm about to lay out to you are taken. So now that we're a uh, year and a half, I think we're into the pandemic, yeah. uh, workers seem to be in search of something new. And that something new is a new and often better job. 
So a survey, this was in February of 2021, so earlier this year, at the height of the pandemic, right before the vaccine was kind of made available. It was by Achievers Workforce Institute, I think it was, and it found that more than half of employees in the U.S. and Canada plan to look for a new job in 2021, and that's 35% higher than 2020. So the article that I chose, and it's titled, What to Do When Your Best Employee Quits, it lays out these following steps. The first step is take a deep breath and don't burn any bridges right away. After you've you know, collected yourself and understood why, you ask why. And maybe ask what the next step is and why they're leaving. And if it's a reason that, say, more money or even like, if, you know, you say they're in college and they're getting their first, you know, job after that, it makes more sense. But if they're not, they're just leaving like to go to another competitor. Maybe you consider a counteroffer. If an employee, if they're looking for more money, this can be valuable as, you know, as we found out now, all these minimum wages seem to be going up all of a sudden. It looks like companies have money. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just about, I guess, figuring it out, talking with your bosses, but it's always good to communicate. The next part as a manager is you want to tell your team and look for an opportunity for your current employees. Um, for this, it could be just telling your uh, team, hey, it's going to be a tough couple of weeks, but we got to you know, get through it before we can hire someone else or we promote someone else. Lastly, the hospitality world and the business world in general, it's crazy how it works. Stay in touch. Maybe as a manager, you'll be looking for a job down the line. You never know just how it is. Um, the bottom line is that it's never easy, as you can all attest to, but it's crucial that we're prepared and we follow the right steps. So I think by doing this, you can maintain a lasting reputation of respect and dignity with even a chance of retaining some of these employees. I think you make a great point about um, preparing your team, the whole team when someone valuable leaves, because I know as an employee, um, I've worked with friends before who have left the place of work and it's upsetting and it definitely, you know, discourages other people to a point um, where they might not perform as well or they might be um, more willing to follow that person to yeah. a different company. It's pretty much like a game of tag just because like all my friends, they would get a job together and it'd be like four of them. Then the second one of them leaves, the, other one, leave. the other one trails maybe two weeks later, then two weeks later, yep. the other one trails and the next, you know, all of them. Are right. Gone. And then you're not going to work with your friends. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you're sad. <laughs> and it's always going to happen. You're always going to be losing employees, especially like the hospitality world. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. something that you just gotta think about. Definitely important, yeah, to just um, you know make so, every effort to keep a relationship, whether they work with you or not. You never know what happens. Yeah. So finally, we come to Maddie, who's mm -hmm. going to give us something to think about today. Yes. Today, I will get you guys thinking about something you don't even know you're thinking about. A Reuters article from July of this year titled "Unconscious Bias: Uncovering Our Hidden Tendencies" sheds light on the fact that everyone has unconscious biases that impact how we make decisions and treat people. The biases in the workplace are a big concern and they're really hard to address when they're not out in the open or being verbalized. So they're really sneaky. And while it's a serious topic, it's also a really important one to think about, not only as future managers, um, but just as human beings in general. So in this report, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer Kara Hellander emphasizes the importance of taking responsibility for unconscious biases because Understanding them is the first step, which allows everyone to create an opportunity to address them. Um, in the training that she gives her own employees, she starts with a day of education and group discussions. Uh, she also gives reminders even after the one-time training session. As we all learned, this is what will promote long-term awareness. Uh, so one interesting way to combat unconscious biases is to introduce people with powerful introductions. Um, this can give someone a bigger voice and weaken the effect of bias against them 
um, as soon as they're introduced uh, to the workplace by someone that people already respect or look up to um, who has authority. So for the managers and HR folks who don't believe in conscious biases or even a problem, Kara says that this work is part of excellent decision-making. So you wanna make sure you're creating a culture where employees feel confident enough to bring their best thinking to the table and know they'll be heard without judgment. So don't be a manager who ignores the existence of these biases. Implement training, create awareness within the staff you eventually manage. Understanding unconscious biases will be an advantage for your company as you cultivate a positive environment where new ideas flow freely and decisions are made fairly. So when you go about your day, try to notice the intentions and reasonings behind your decisions. Is there an unconscious bias holding you back from being inclusive and fair to everyone? Yeah, so pretty much whether it's robots in the workplace, unconscious biases, or even trying to keep your employees, pretty much everything falls back to the main focus in the hospitality industry. And that's pretty much the people, the employees. The only way that the hospitality field survives is with people as employees and people as customers. So making sure you build your relationships with your employees and your customers, that's pretty much the overall effect to help your business grow. But that's sort of the main reason why we want to talk about all this today is just because, um, just to get us started going, because with people in the workplace that don't really have a follower or anyone to look up to, or whether it's robots taking over our jobs for us, we have to pretty much remember that the hospitality industry is in, in the end the people. And we are going to be leaders in that industry upon graduation, hopefully, professionals at least. Yeah, <laughs> and we will be, you know, um, managing people. And it's important for us to set a good example and, um, you know, encourage everybody to do the best they can, especially in these hard times that we are hopefully getting over soon. Yeah, definitely. Very well said. Now you heard it. That's the buzz for uh, the topics we just went over. So next, we're going to be getting into hot topics. And uh, what is it? It's December, say, 3rd, December 3rd. 22 days until Christmas. Brett, I know you're a big Mariah Carey oh, fan. Oh, she's defrosting. I already can feel it. <laughs> she has defrosted. She did. As soon as, as soon as Thanksgiving ended, she emerged from the waters. Is it, is Mariah Carey just only corresponding to Christmas? Yes. Does she have music that people listen to in no. the summertime or anything like <laughs> no, that? I don't know. No. We digress. Yeah. <laughs> the segue into the next topic, uh, Today we're going to be talking about whether or not we should be having holiday parties or Christmas parties in the workplace. Now, originally, I thought this topic was going to be about, you know, whether it's going to be we're on Christmas, should we not say Christmas? Do we need to be, you know, and more of a culture war thing? But no, this topic is going to discuss the benefits and downsides of having, you know, holiday workplace party. Uh, Brett and Maddie, who we've met obviously throughout this podcast, you're going to be talking mm -hmm. and facilitating the argument. And Sarah will be debating on why we should be having holiday parties, why I will be debating why we should not. It's definitely a tricky subject. There's going to be points from both sides that I think, you know, will be made, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fascinating. Mm -hmm. And just to pretty much start off this topic before we get into it, I just want to explain why I pretty much think the topic is important to discuss nowadays. Uh, just because in the new age of the workplace, everyone's trying to ensure healthy work environments with diversity, inclusion, uh, just because it allows for new ways of thinking and a wider range of ideas. Uh, and pretty much in order to keep this in the company, we must treat all of these other employees with different religious backgrounds equally, especially around Christmas and the holiday time. So the reluctance to pretty much talk about this topic isn't something to overlook when it comes to our coworkers' feelings 
Um, a lot of opinions have to be expressed and acted on, rather they're much of what we have seen in the past, which allows for controversy over the holiday celebration to even be relevant nowadays. Um, in one of the SHRM articles, Doug Kaufman, he's an employment attorney. He pretty much was uh, stating that he believes in incorporating all of the other celebrated holidays and their decorations into the workplace. Um, however, it, it gets to a point where we have to decide what Christmas decorations are over the top and which are neutral. Um, so it's a it's a pretty touchy subject, but it is something very important that we should be discussing nowadays. Yeah, and this topic is especially relevant because people have been restricted from seeing each other in person for a long time now, um, especially in the workplace. So the need for connection and in-person interactions has only grown in the light of pandemic. So people coming back to work and seeing their coworkers is exciting enough in general. Um, and then you think about you know, work parties. And it's not always just for Christmas. It can be for something else. But um, companies now have a chance to kind of step back and first off, decide whether parties are appropriate safety-wise and, you know, um, got to make sure everything's sanitary. But they also have to think about the themes of these parties and what's appropriate um, in like a moral and ethical kind of way. Um, you know, being together again should be celebrated in a safe way. Um, but there does need to be discussion on whether or not Christmas um, should be that theme. So we are going to start off the debate with Sarah, who's going to tell us why holidays should be celebrated in the workplace. Okay, guys, so I'm on the pro side, and I think that holidays should be happening in the workplace as long as they're celebrated inclusively. So this means obviously no one's left out, and um, I also think that they're beneficial for morale. So holiday parties can be a time where everyone comes together and they celebrate the happy season and be a day where they can all blow up some steam. And according to management professor Bahia Ben Katamari at the University of Maryland Robert H. Smith School of Business, she says that holiday parties are one opportunity to appreciate all of your employees for the hard work they've done and show them that they're valued and they've done really well despite the challenges they've faced. And so she's talking about the COVID-19 pandemic this past year. And she says that parties can be a way to boost team building because you're not just efficient because you do your tasks, but because you have relationships with people. And she says we have a chance to not talk about it work at all and just get to know each other on an, as normal human beings and not just as colleagues who work on a project together and a festive atmosphere can do that. So this is why holiday parties have been around for so long because it's a traditional way that your employees can look forward to celebrating something year after year and it boosts morale, brings your workplace closer together and away from day-to-day -day tasks. So in order for this to be beneficial though, um, celebrating must be done right. So you might be thinking, well, that sounds great, but what exactly do those parties entail? Well, let me tell you a key point in making these parties successful is that they should be exactly that, which is holiday parties. So this doesn't mean just limited to Christmas because not everyone in the workforce is Christian. So the big key word here is inclusivity because there's all kinds of holidays in the fall and winter months that pertain to a variety of religions, such as Body Day, a Buddhist holiday, Diwali, a Hindu festival, Hanukkah, a Jewish holiday, Kwanzaa, which celebrates African-American heritage, and Lunar New Year, which is a Chinese holiday, just to name a few. So according to Eric Peterson, a diversity and inclusion trainer from Cook Ross Inc., he says that one way to not be inclusive is to, when you make someone feel invisible, to make them feel as, and this also makes them feel that the organization has no idea who they are and what is pleasing to them and what is offensive. So a 2017 U.S. religious identification study found that 71.2% of Americans were Catholic or some other type of Christian, 2.1% Jewish, 0.8% Muslim, 1.8% Mormon, and 21.3% had no religious identity. 
So while these percentages are small compared to Christianity, the individuals who belong in these religious groups matter as well. And they're equal participants in the workplace, and these holidays deserve to be additionally treated as such. So for many employees, their religion helps define them as people, and religious holidays can be reminders or expressions of those values. And when a company culture ignores the facet of their employee base, it sends a message, whether or not it's intended, that their faith doesn't matter here. So overall, we can understand that inclusivity is important, but how can employers actually go about this? So they can create a diverse planning committee, check interfaith calendars to avoid scheduling errors, like scheduling a different holiday party on another holiday. And importantly, um, these parties don't need to be mandatory. So with full transparency, there will be no repercussions for lack of attendance. And there also could be different food options for those who don't want to eat at Christmas ham, such as people of the Jewish faith, Muslims or Hindus. And you can also have like a two-tier party where one event won't have alcohol and one would, where attendees can choose to participate. Um, they can also create awareness of other religions. Um, so I think I've made my point pretty clear. Um, I think that overall, it just needs to be an effort to be sensitive to other people's needs. And I think that the main thing is that um, just inclus inclusivity is a very big thing because I think it's impactful for people. And even though it's just one day, people really do take that into account. Yeah, definitely. It's the little details that people really appreciate when you go out of your way to do that. And I noticed you you mentioned a, a few ways to do to be inclusive. Um, and I noticed that some can some might take a little more um, effort to do, some might cost more, mm -hmm. um, but there's also, you know, just making it not mandatory, which takes a lot of pressure off of some people and makes it so people who actually do want to go, get to go. Um, so there's definitely a range of, of things that you can do, you know, on, on the scale of money too, because mm -hmm. companies at least now importantly need to like watch their, their spending and, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's just like, even if there isn't a holiday party, just to make it like your voice is still known and your, your presence is still known and you still are a crucial part to a company, no matter how small of a minority it is. Yeah. And I, I really like the, the idea of pretty much no no repercussions when you when you don't show up and making mm -hmm. it not mandatory. I just uh I wish maybe Dr. Twos would uh, adopt that as well for class. <laughs> not quite. Not, not quite. But yeah, Sarah, you made a lot of good points and um especially the inclusivity part, obviously that's that's probably the biggest thing in the mm -hmm. course today, making sure everyone feels welcome and so on and so forth. So my my you know assertion to that or come back to that I guess is that I think holiday parties make some feel comfortable. Now, not everyone celebrates Christmas, but even those who do, they may not be thrilled with the idea of a Christmas or holiday party. And you mentioned that having a holiday party means everyone will be included. And in theory, yes, it, it does. But that doesn't mean everyone's going to have a great time. And this thing, like I said, includes those who celebrate um, Christmas, which is the majority of Americans. So it was a poll of a thousand workers I found, and it was a consultancy firm. It was Perkbox. And they found that over a quarter, it was 27% of respondents aren't necessarily thrilled with the idea of work Christmas parties because they don't believe employees, and this is a quote, should be forced into the whims of their bosses. And that goes into your argument about not forcing people to uh, not participate. Uh, so 34% said so they don't enjoy socializing, socializing with colleagues at fasted bashes whatsoever. And 30% so they find Christmas parties to be a little more, a um, little bit too much. Uh, what's the word? Not intimidating, but clicky. Like you know, mm -hmm. like you know, the popular kid, uh, people are at one spot, and then everyone yeah. else is kind of scattered. Yeah, it's not like, always as inclusive as yeah. Like they be, imagine it. It sounds yeah. you know childish, but that's you know what this 
firm and this is what the results are saying here. Well, that's just the first part. And that to me, that's not really, that's more of a social thing, not a huge uh, issue compared to the next point, which is a lot trickier. And this one is alcohol and social media make Christmas parties a wild card for employees. Uh, employ employers or employees, they can be at serious legal risk if a drunk employee drives home and injures someone or even where, or I guess they're both bad. If an, uh, if an employee makes a pass at a coworker and all of a sudden that leads to a sexual harassment claim or even worse. Uh, and then the, the risk, which I was just talking about, one that's, you know, can kill careers, brands and company reputations overnight, one night, one party, social media. So that you guys, I'm sure you've seen a couple of them. There's social media accounts that they're dedicated to embarrassing party photos. And mm-hmm. these accounts are just waiting for the new additions for the employees. I mean, think, have you guys seen The Office at all? Or that? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, definitely. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have that are listening. Uh, think of Michael Scott when he's trying to have the perfect party goes out to the liquor store by his fall handle and he's taking selfies like maybe back in 2003 that'd be okay or there was a new movie that came out i forget who's all in it uh i think jason bateman jennifer aniston uh they dedicate to having you know a wild christmas holiday party and trying to get on social media and that's funny it is funny but it's just not it's not ideal um even if workers only post on their own pages with a click heard around the world photos can go viral um so it's just, it's tough. Uh, in 2019, a survey from Forbes revealed that 76% of companies were planning to have a holiday party that year. Uh, 53% of that uh, reported that they would serve alcohol at their parties. This was from a survey uh, in 2014 that also noted that 40% of respondents knew that an employee who had engaged in inappropriate behavior at an office event, 40%, I don't know if that's a correct stat, but you have to figure even if it's in somewhat of a ballpark, even if it was 20% or 15%. That's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of people in a workforce that's over, you know, 200 million. That's, it's not ideal. Um, employees of the company committing dumb acts because of alcohol or social media, that can lead to terminations, uh, reprimand, reprimand, oh, I can't speak, <laughs> reprimands and uh, embarrassment for the company. Once something is uploaded, it's there forever. And that's the tricky part. Even if you do delete it, it's always going to be there. The screenshots, it's just the world is, you got to be really careful. So by not having a party, or at the very least not serving alcohol and going over the top, companies can really minimize these risks. Um, so to minimize it further, my suggestion, although it's kind of the Debbie Downer of the group, don't have parties around the holidays for um, your company. It's, it's tough and it's a debate that will go on forever, but that's why I think. In the long run, if you continue to have parties with alcohol and not just alcohol, just um, too much freedom, it can lead to decreased productivity and higher labor costs because of the actions uh, that I mentioned above. So I definitely hear you about about the repercussions and and how um, Christmas parties can be a bad thing. What what do you think, Jimmy, about um, like festivities in the workplace, like throughout the year, not necessarily Christmas? Like, is it, is it more the, the party thing that is really getting like, you know, bad reps or is, what is it about Christmas in particular? I think it's the party. I really do. Um, one of the things you could say, I guess, if you want to have parties throughout the year, festive, festivities, mm-hmm. um, if it's inexpensive because a lot, uh, one big thing is cost now. If you're having all these different holiday things, like I, I forget all, but if you're celebrating Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Diwali and Christmas, like it could be expensive and not everyone celebrates those because. You know, that's just the religion standpoint. That's not what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you got to almost worry about the cost as well. Right. 
Uh, but yeah, I think there is a stigma behind holiday parties. And now, like, because of social media, too, it's just, it's just, tar- it's terrible. Yeah, uh, I think it's also, like, you have to counteract, like, the traditional way of thinking. So even with mine, like, you, the traditional way of thinking is not even, people don't even think about other holidays, like, including those. It's just, like, not what, mm-hmm. what has been done in the past years. And also, traditionally, like, when, when the start of holidays happened, holiday parties happened, I don't think there was social media. So it's, like, people don't take into account the new age that we're in. And yeah. I think that's super important just to like rethink what has been classically done. Yeah. Cause like if we've had them around for years and years before social media, it's pretty much our actions are causing the results of all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to just pretty much get past all that. I got a, a quick question for you, Sarah. So you're pro um, Christmas parties. Um, so what holiday holiday decoration do's and don'ts do you think there is? So whether or not it's Christmas trees, wreaths, or even the Jesus depictions or mangers that'll be set up. Yeah, I think definitely, um, Christmas is very commercialized. So it's, it, it is related to religion, but a lot of people don't think of it like that. And even people who aren't religious celebrate it anyway. I think just in the, in the office, maybe just like a, like a red and green, like a, like a, Festive, yeah, more more like, greenery. Yeah, more of a general thing, like maybe not a manger set up in your in your main conference room, or like <laughs> or like specific. On the table. Yeah, on the conference table. <laughs> um, but maybe just like in, so you encapsulate a holiday atmosphere to make people like embrace the season or whatever. Um, but maybe just stick to like non-specific holiday. Yeah, and like it maybe it could be to like a point to where maybe the office is just decorated up with some lights and some greenery. And then if people have specific desks that they work at, mm-hmm. that's when they can sort of just flare it up a little bit yeah, and, yeah. and express their own religions just in their own workstation. Yeah. But yeah. making sure that the whole office is more of just a, a generalized common mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah our our the group of four that we have, um, we probably have one of the lighter topics in this class in terms of seriousness. I mean, the other topics that these groups have, it's vaccine mandates, it's tattoos in the workplace, whether we should hire people like that. I know there's mm-hmm. drug tests, like this in, you know. Yeah, it's, it, it seems like a funny topic, but we, we sometimes are. surpass just like how how prevalent it is nowadays mm-hmm. in the workplace. Yeah. But it, yeah. it doesn't seem to be a make or break thing, but there are consequences for like, we mentioned above there are consequences if you know it's not handled the correct way but mm-hmm. overall i think there's a compromise to be had i don't think there's one side in my and this is just my opinion even though i'm a little biased i don't think there's mm-hmm. one side that uh is correct or incorrect i think it's just like i mentioned earlier i think it's going to be an ongoing debate yeah I, I do have another question well i have a story um taken from an anonymous business insider reader um states that he had his interview for his current job the day after the office holiday party uh, he said the whole office smelled of tequila. Two thirds of the office didn't even make it in. And the people that interviewed him thought he was already hired. So they started to train him. <laughs> and you know what? He actually took the job. Um, so this, I, I wouldn't have taken the job. <laughs> this is me. No, but no. seeing um, evidence that an organization knows how to, you know, party hardy can be enticing to some. So do you guys think that like the pressure to be like cool and fun like affects organizations and whether or not they throw these parties? I think that like these parties, the cool and fun, it depends on your industry. So like I've worked in restaurants before we've had oh, some holiday parties. <laughs> and, 
And they definitely did get crazy. And it's, it's more acceptable because of the like environment that is the restaurant industry. But if you're like a, a big finance company, I would say that it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a professional, I mean, and I love like having fun. I think everyone here likes having fun, but yeah. I don't know if that's going to entice you to join a company if they're having, a, I mean, maybe it does. Maybe if it's a 50, 50 split, maybe that gets you there, but I don't know. Yeah. I can't imagine, but I, I don't, I don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So thanks for listening to our debate. I just wanted to pretty much sum up and explain why I think it was pretty interesting to learn about this stuff today. Um, just because I never really realized all of the underlying effects of celebrating Christmas in the office, just because it, it seems so natural for me, but in the end, it has reverse effects for others. Growing up, it was always a big deal during Christmas time, whether you were celebrating it in school or at home with family and friends. And to hear that there are coworkers who are offended at a bunch of companies just due to the over-celebration of Christmas and the lack of appreciation for all of their other cultural holidays is pretty new to me. And I believe that this topic was a great debate between us, and it always will spark a debate between the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in 2019, 93% of Americans reported that they celebrated Christmas, according to a Gallup survey. Um, whether these celebrations are secular or religious, you know, a lot of people celebrate the holiday. And that's great if they celebrate it at home with their friends. You know, it's a whole different story, though, um, you know, talking about it being celebrated in the workplace. So we talked a lot about, you know, if you do, you have to be inclusive and think about how parties can come across to everybody. I think one of the main like topics of today is just being aware and noticing how different things can affect different employees and making sure you take action to make sure everyone is a part of the company and is being heard pretty much. Yeah, yeah definitely agree. Couldn't have, uh, couldn't have said better. Yeah, it's... Uh... I agree. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening to us. Um, Have a great holiday season. And I think I can say this. Merry Christmas. Thank you, guys.